an investor doing things on your own? How about someone working with a firm that isn't so responsive or in sync with your investment philosophy? My podcast talks you through all things financial. Look, there's stuff you don't deal with very often, but investments, insurance, and retirement is something we plan for each and every day. This is the Pennywise Financial Podcast, and welcome to the show. Welcome to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host, Sam Quelly. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today is Wednesday, the 25th of May, and we're closing out the second month of the second quarter in 2022, and what a wild ride it's been so far. Wouldn't you say, Sam? Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, it, it's been brutal. It's been brutal. Um, obviously, investors, clients know this already. But Sam, let's get into some of the details of what has happened so far this year. Yeah, sure. So so far this year, the Dow Jones down 11%, and over the past month, we're down 4%. Uh, the S&P, about the same thing, down 16% over the past uh, year to date, and over the last month, we're down 5%. The NASDAQ is getting hit hard this year. Year to date, we're down almost 30%. Mm. Um and one month down 9%. And the Russell 1000, same theme, down 17% in the past month, down over 5.5%. So not looking too good across the board. No. None of those numbers are positive. Nope. We're, we're, in, we're in rough rough shape. Um, and then if we, if we look to some of the other sectors, so some uh, may be more attractive than others, but... We go to the XLF, that is the financial sector, year-to-date. It's down about 13.5% in the last month, down 5 and change. The GLD, or gold, is actually up year-to-date, about 2.5%. In the last month, it slid just about 2.5%. So it cut itself in half, I guess, in the last month. And we go to the XLE, that's the energy sector, year-to-date, 50%. Just shy of it, about 49. Last month, up 15 and change. So still seeing some pretty strong momentum in the energy sector, which should not come as a surprise. How about the digital currency, digital assets? So we start off with Bitcoin, the GBTC trust. That's down 43 and change for the year. And last month, down about 32 plus percent. ETH, that's Ethereum down 60.4% year-to-date last month, down about 42. And Litecoin, the LTC Trust, that's down 60% year-to-date, matches pretty much Ethereum in lockstep, and last month down about 34%. So if you're investing in the market right now, you're probably wondering what is going on, when are things going to clear up, when does this get better, should I stay invested, do I move to cash? Do I try to time the market? Am I doing the right things? Do I have the right advisor? I mean, they're all pretty logical, right? I mean, we're seeing assets, we're seeing your wealth deteriorate right now. It's got to feel uh, pretty painful, I think, for most. For those who are seasoned investors, have seen this story before. You know, we've been here before. Uh, Sam, I don't know if you, you remember, but a couple of years ago, you were in college. You figure 
that was kind of the height of the pandemic in 2020. So going back two years ago, um, the market crashed. I mean, in a pretty short, pretty short order. I mean, in less than a month, the market was down big time. People didn't even have time to react. I think a lot of clients didn't even know their investments had lost that much money. How much did it crash? So, so think about this. Dropped about 30% in, in about 30 month. days. Wow. So if you think about this, our statements come out quarterly. Hmm. So you get one in December for the year end. You get one in March. You get one in June. And so on and so forth. So the market crashes in March. So clients already had their first quarterly statements out. Didn't really have much time to react. And then the market recovered in like 45 days. So by the time the new statements came out, it had already recovered. What caused the, the crash initially? I think initially, you know, it wasn't earnings necessarily. It was like, is this the end? And I don't mean end of the stock market. I mean, like, is this the end of the world? There's just a lot of panic. Yeah, you didn't know what to do. I mean, people didn't know what this virus was like, um, what kind of an impact it would have on the economy. But but more than that, what, what kind of an impact it would have on people's lives? Am I going to die? Like, seriously, yeah. am I going to die? I remember, we mentioned this many times, but I remember going back to that time. My wife's like, you're not you're not leaving. You know, we everybody shut down their offices. People worked from home. They worked remote. Went grocery shopping at night like a, I don't even know what to describe myself as, but I had my head down, my mask on, and I kind of ran through the store and shopped. And that's what we did. And I think every time people say, this time is different. Sam, you don't understand. Like, like we're really losing money this time. Inflation is, is going up. And it is different. It's different. Um, and I think you have to react in, in a rational way. And if it is the end, there's no plan that's going to change that, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You have 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, 500,000. If you have 10 bucks in your account, if it's your time to go, it's your time to go. There's nothing you can do to change that. And I have some clients that when, uh, when we forecast and we run plans and we look at income, I might say, you know, you're set to run out of money by the time you're 75. What are you going to do? Oh, I won't live that long. <laughs> like that's their plan. Their plan is they're going to die. It's a horrible plan. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, and it's like, yeah, you might die. I might die tomorrow, right? You don't know. You don't know when your day is, you know, your day is up. And um, I think the plan for death is, you know, is a pretty bad plan. Because if that doesn't happen, you're alive and it's pretty painful to have no income, to be retired, not have earning potential. Um, and when people look at retirement, you know, I think you should plan for the long haul. You figure when you retire, Sam is 65, you retire today. How much time do you think you have? Yeah, you never know. You don't know. Could be 15 years, could be 20 years, could be 30 years. Life expectancy is is higher. I think this is finally starting to turn around where um, the next generation will live longer. Um, it it kind of slid backwards. Yeah, I heard it went down you, a little You know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's eating habits, if it's the pesticides and things that we're using, putting in our food. All of the above. A combination of. Um, how about that coupled with stress? Stress from work, from your job. And people have more money today than they did 
the, the previous generation, right? Well, cost of living has obviously skyrocketed, so. Cost of living, and guess what? What do you have in your pocket? What do I have in my pocket? What do I have on this desk? A computer. Computer? How about a $1,400 phone, which I have never spent that amount of money in my life on a phone? Well, that's essentially what they are. They're little computers people are carrying around in their pockets now. This thing is probably more powerful than a computer was 10 years ago. Well, they say it's got way more power than what got uh, the astronauts to the moon in the 60s. Never heard that one. Way more. No kidding. This phone. Yeah, more data, more power, more, you know, computing power, stuff like that. That's incredible. It's incredible, but you know, we we look at these numbers. We look at the S&P 500, we look at the technology sector, we look at oil and gold and Bitcoin and that, there's really no safe haven besides commodities, things that are tangible that you can touch, that you can feel. Companies that are making stuff, making things that we can use are the companies that should fare better. And that has been the case so far. So they they tend to be pretty boring type of companies with solid earnings. You think of energy, you think of utilities, you think of gas, natural gas, heating your homes, electricity. Uh, we look at this green energy, this clean energy, Tesla and all the competitors with EV. There's a lot to to be excited about, I think, in that space. And I'm not talking about excited earning 20 or 30% a year, like we saw in the tech boom. You know, in the last decade or so, these cloud-based companies that had pretty rich valuations, um, we all benefited from that. And last year, there were some times where we had to sell and take profits on those. That's what comes with that, taxes. So that's that's the downside of things. But I think as we look at earnings forecasts and uh, what's been reported – you know, we looked at Target, we looked at Walmart, they had their earnings come out. They overestimated on some of the purchases, had a stockpile of inventory. So that's going to play into things. Um, and then the wage battle on what you're paying employees, you know, like you said, purchasing power now has gone down quite a bit. So we're taking all those things in and making choices, wise choices on how to position clients' portfolios. That's what you should be doing. If you're not a current client of ours working with an advisor, I hope you're doing the same. If not, certainly give us a shout. We'd be happy to take a look at things. With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you want help building and managing an investment portfolio that's right for you? One that will help you maximize growth potential while you're saving, help you generate income when you need it most, and eventually preserve what you've saved to leave to your beneficiaries? We do this day in and day out and take the stress and responsibility of making those decisions off your plate. Subscribe to our newsletter, read our blog post, and listen to our podcast to get a flavor of how we do things. Our firm is unique and capable of handling all your investment and insurance needs. Monarch Wealth Management, our guidance, your future. Welcome back to the Pennywise Financial Podcast here at Monarch Wealth Management. This is Sam along with Constantine. And here we like to talk about some client and prospect case studies and questions. And we like to make light of some things that, you know, affect our clients and some stuff we can talk about. And uh, in addition to our research, cons we were talking, um, we like to meet with CEOs, analysts, you know, go on earnings calls. And yesterday, you along with Dave and Mark, uh, our partner out in Buffalo, 
you guys all attended a financial forum hosted by First Trust, which is a private company. And what'd you get out of that? How did that go? And what do you think? Well, we, we, so typically when we go to these financial forums, depending on the, the uh, presenter and whatnot, they can be quite optimistic mm-hmm. uh, about the market, which First Trust traditionally has been. I will say, uh, not that they shifted gears to pessimism, but I'll say they were less, uh, less excited about the market and uh, at least the earnings and how much money investors and clients can expect to make each year for the next several years. could be the next two to five years. It's going to be a lot less than we're used to. So the 10, 15, 20% a year um, may not be so easily attainable. uh, And I don't think that is. And that's not our client's expectations. But one of the first things the CEO, so Jim Bowen, CEO of First Trust, privately held company, one of the first things he opened with was talking about how we are one of the first group of advisors helping our clients with a current market where we're actually losing purchasing power. So for the last 40 years, inflation remained pretty low. We had a declining interest rate environment. And now we're faced with a new challenge that that folks haven't faced in the last 40 years. Interest rates that are going up. You know, our parents went through this when they borrowed money to, to buy a house. They did this when they saved with CDs. Some of those... Um, Mom and pop investors out there that were terrified of the stock market, didn't know what to do, didn't know where to put their money, they invested in CDs. And they got paid 10, 15, 16%. You needed a car. You needed to buy a house. You were paying 15, 16% on uh, on those types of loans. And so some of the things that he talked about, uh, Jim Bowen, was, you know, first of all, congratulating us that we're here fighting the good fight each day, day in and day out, helping to make sure that our clients maintain their cash, right, reposition their investments, and try to do the best that we can in protecting that asset class. So, so think about this. When a client comes to us and they invest their money, it's typically not somebody who has 10 or 20 million looking to make another 10 or 20 million. It might be mom and pop that have saved at Kodak, at Xerox, at RIT, U of R, at Strong, at the hospitals. And they have maybe 500000 a couple million dollars. And they're looking to have this account grow for a number of years until they retire. And what do they do then? Take it out and blow it all in one day, have a huge party? No, they live off that, right? So it's like an income replacement type account. When they stop working... And they stop showing up, they stop collecting a paycheck, no more W-2, no more 1099. They're going to get some income and they need more than Social Security. And they probably don't have what? That guaranteed paycheck that people used to get from Kodak and GM. Pensions. They don't have pensions. We mentioned that on the last show. So what did we talk about uh, with, with First Trust? And what did we hear about from the CEO, Jim Bowen? Well, he starts off by saying that we have recovered uh, kind of from the peak of the COVID cases, you know, from 2020, uh, December, which was the peak of the infection rate. And he talks about the morbidity, talks about COVID-19 case fatality rates coming down dramatically. 
combination of, I don't know, herd immunity slash vaccines slash boosters slash just, hey, we're more knowledgeable about this thing, right? We mentioned the last segment, I used to go shopping at night, running through the grocery store, mask on, whatever. We did shutdowns. China did shutdowns. Countries were on lockdown. People traveled less. A lot of things that went on that, that happened. Then we shift gears and we look at the fatality rate and he compared catching the regular flu versus COVID-19. And if you look at the deaths caused by the flu from somebody who's 17 years old or younger, it's substantially higher in the flu. I mean, the, the death rate is, is much, much higher than COVID-19. And that starts to taper down from the 18 to 49 segment. And then as you get in the older range, 50 to 65 plus, it becomes higher in COVID, about four times higher. So what it's saying there is typically the people who are older that have uh, some other underlying issues, overweight, diabetes, cholesterol, uh, you know, could be some other ailments, that coupled with COVID-19 could raise your uh, potential there for it being a serious issue. And we know that now. Like, that's facts. These facts came from the CDC. So these weren't like his opinion. I think this and I think that. Um, Age-adjusted death rate obviously went down dramatically as well. Looking at the weekly um, death toll versus uh, infections, I mean, I really don't hear about COVID very much anymore. We've lifted mask mandates. Um, People are starting to forget about it and, and feel less and less impacted by it, which is a great thing. But there's also a shift. So what did we do for the last couple of years? We did Zoom, did remote. Did you travel that much last couple of years? Not at all. No, we didn't either. I mean, I've traveled more in the last six months, I think, than I have in the last four years put together. Yeah, I went to uh, Baton Rouge last fall, and that was the first time I went anywhere in at least a year or two before that. Well, you just recently traveled. You were in Miami. Yep, for the weekend. And how was that? Was the plane pretty full? Oh, both planes were packed. No mask, I assume, required. Uh, They didn't require it. Uh, A lot of people wore them. Did they? Yeah. They did. Okay. So when I've flown the last three or four times over the last six months, I'd say the majority uh, did not. Um, And when you go to other countries... Some of them actually have a mandate. So think about this. You're on the plane, confined with a lot of people, no mandate. You get off at the airport in another country, depending on the country, you may actually have to put a mask on. So it's different. And uh, a lot of times they say, oh, it's the U.S. that's enforcing this. Well, I don't think that's the case. Anyhow, so we looked at pre-tax corporate profits. Profits are going up. You know, we talk about debt and... um, the way that the Fed has, excuse me, the Fed, the government has printed money, right? So we had PPP, we had EIDL, we had unemployment, we had help for business owners, we had help for just about everyone. How about tenants? I'm a landlord. I own properties in the city here. We printed money for those folks as well. So everybody had some sort of financial assistance in some way, shape, or form. So you might be really concerned with that and say, geez, you know, our spending is out of control. The national debt continues to go up. 
we had more profits coming through corporate earnings than we have in history. Some of the highest. But I don't hear about it on TV, do you? No. You usually hear about the rising debt and what that's doing. Now, one thing that they pointed out is that this is somewhat temporary. So think about the handouts that happened in the last couple of years to save business owners from going bankrupt and, and having to change their lifestyle and things like that. Those were temporary. So those are done. And some of those are um, in the form of a loan. So it wasn't just like a grant. Not everything handed out was like that. Like the EIDL, that is being repaid. And guess what's starting to happen in the not too distant future? They're starting to pay those back. So the government is going to have some income coming in. <laughs> um, and so I think that we have to kind of put all that into context. The other thing they point out is this whole uh, Green New Deal. So everything that's happened with COVID and inflation and uh, supply chain issues. You think of chips. My brother-in-law bought a car. He's got a car. He's driving it. It has all these functions, options. doesn't have the chips in it that he paid for. When the chips come in, they're going to have him bring the vehicle in, install the chips for heated seats and all kinds of stuff. That's crazy. I didn't even know they could sell cars like that. Yeah. They probably shouldn't or couldn't, but guess what? People need to put their hands on vehicles. If the only inventory we have is used cars, what do you think is going to happen to that market? You're going to get priced out. Mm -hmm. The other thing they point out, which, again, may or may not have an impact on an investment market, but I'll, I'll kind of get into that in a second and why that, I think that does play in. What do you think the countries that produce some of the highest concentrations of pollution are? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like India and China, right? Or at the top. India and China, are you got it. Hit the nail on the head. And there's a lot of Middle Eastern countries and whatnot. Uh, then you've got Italy, Germany, France, UK. That's who has the lowest, lowest impact. Who's the cleanest energy production in the world? I'm going to take a wild guess and say Canada. Well, Canada's up there. Mm. U.S. is up in the running in Australia. So... It always amazes me. You that said Australia's at the top? At one of the lowest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So top ranked, yes. So you're looking at Canada, uh, US, and Australia. Hmm. And we're always mentioned when we talk about this clean, this effort towards cleaner energy, greener energy, uh, lower emissions, and things like that. We are one of the cleanest in the world. Mm -hmm. One of the cleanest in the world. Yet we, there's always a focus on the U.S. The U.S. needs to do more. U.S. needs to pay more. U.S. needs to help more. We're one of the cleanest energy producers in the yeah. world. I think that we, I think we've talked about this before. Um, you know, the United States being a superpower as it is, people are always expecting them to do more and more and more, and maybe not even realizing how much they're actually doing. It's true. You know? We're like the big brother. Yeah. Come on, come on, big brother. And give people, me a, people give me like a to criticize America for that. But then they always ask the U.S. for help. Absolutely, and expect they do. them to help. Absolutely, so. they do. Um, some other things we talked about: we looked at benchmark performance, we looked at large companies, mid-cap companies, small companies. Pretty much across the board, it's going to be companies that are paying dividends, that pay a consistent yield, where you can expect that as part of your return. With rising rates and inflation and things like that, those tend to fare much better, and that's what we've done. Uh, it sounds like the same story uh, on, on repeat. 
This is like Groundhog Day. We've said this for a lot of podcasts throughout the year. But those are some of the things that we've done. Shift of value, commodities, energy, oil, utilities, focus on those types of things. Healthcare tends to be defensive plays. Consumer staples last week, uh, some of those got hit. But one of the areas that's been downgraded multiple times is consumer discretionary. Things that you don't have to spend money on. You know, do you need that? Does your wife need that coach purse? Did you need those Louis Vuitton? You know, it's just those sectors, although some of those big names, people are still willing to pay for them. You know, it's usually the the ultra wealthy and whatnot that don't care. It doesn't matter recession or not. Um, and that's another thing we touched on. They do not feel. So we, we mentioned the CEO, Jim Bowen. We have uh, Brian Westbury, who's our economist, and McGrail as well. But we heard from all three of them. And we heard about inflation. And one of the th areas I think that most people are worried about is what if the big R word goes into effect? You know, and if we do have a recession, what will that do? Well, I can tell you, First Trust and the analysts and the CEO do not believe that we're going to have a recession this year. They don't. I feel like everybody else is predicting one, though. They are. They are. And so they're kind of in a minority, I guess. Um, I'm not sure. I guess time will tell. Uh, I hope not. We have positions, um, you know, clients to make sure that we can weather the storm the best we can. But it's a much better position than going to cash and trying to time the market. Because guess what? What if that doesn't happen? What if that doesn't play out? You know, that's that's a question. Like, what if there is a recession? When I lose money, well, what if there isn't? So I think, um, you know, a lot of what they had to say goes in line with what we've been touting throughout the year. It uh, doesn't mean that we've made money in, for clients in every portfolio. We've done our best. And some of the meetings I've had with clients has, has been very appreciative. They thank us for educating them on what we're doing and what we're trying and what we're up against. Some of the things that we look at in the market right now. Well, that was a whole lot of learning. And now this was a, a few hour event. So there was a, a lot more context there. I think I did kind of a, a very brief, brief summary of what was discussed. But always energetic, always entertaining to listen to. Uh, there's tons of information out there from analysts. You've got to be careful who you get the info from. And that coupled with our own internal research, I think, is a, is a really nice enhancement for clients in using that information to, um, to maximize the returns where we can and, and keep and protect in a down market. With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you have a high deductible insurance plan? If so, have you set up your HSA? There's a ton of people who don't know what it is or how it works. Even worse, there aren't many people who can give you advice about how to make the most of these powerful and unique programs. Not many advisors focus on this in their practice, don't understand the mechanics of how they work or even where to begin helping their clients. Reach out to me, Constantine at Monarch Wealth Management, and I'll guide you through this process and get you on track to make the most of your high deductible plan and your superhuman HSA. Welcome back to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam Gwelly. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It is time for the latest in news updates. 
and sometimes, hopefully, the, how they tie into uh, clients and investors and uh, what they should be thinking about and doing or how they can use that information. Unfortunately, this is, this is horrible, horrible news. It pains me to see this. I, I can't believe this. But there's been two recent school shootings, one in Buffalo and the one yesterday was where, Texas? Yeah, the one yesterday was in Texas, and that one was um, just another Sandy Hook situation all over again. I think upwards of 20 people total were killed in it's a school. Insane. It's insane. It's horrible. It, again, I don't know all the details. Was it like a student? Was it? I heard it was like a high school student um, that went into an elementary school and just did that for whatever reason. And then the one wow. in Buffalo was, it wasn't actually a school shooting, but it was in a tops. Um, but still. That's right. I mentioned school Several people shootings. were killed. Yeah. So it doesn't really tops. matter, but. And they were, obviously, I they were not related at all. Like, I think no. there were different motivations for them. Yeah. Unfortunately, when this type of thing happens, um, the people who do it, like, in their own sick ways, get inspired by the previous shootings. It's crazy. You know what I mean? It's beyond comprehensible to me. So, I remember years ago, um, there were some school shootings. Remember the theater shootings? Yeah, the Batman movie. It's Insane. In Denver, I think. You remember the shopping mall? Because my wife, my wife and I talked about this the other day. She's like, "What is going on? Like, has, has it always been this bad? I feel like in the last couple of years, I'm like, don't forget. I remember in the shopping mall incident where it was uh, one of the NASA astronauts' wives was at the mall, and this person, the shooter, went in and and there was some motivation to target people in politics, and she happened to be. I, I don't know all the details again. <clears throat> I remember. The Baltimore shooter, remember that? Mm -hmm. They caught a hole in the car and had, I think the sun was in the back of the car. I mean, I just can't understand why, you know, this kind of harm to cause other people. Like what, what happened, what went so wrong, you know? Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I can't really comprehend it. And I think a lot of people try to tie in gun regulation and, and this and that. I, I don't know that any of these... Like, how did they obtain the guns? I mean, most of them done legally. Like, it's from a family member. Like, a child takes mom and dad's gun from the safe or whatever. Yeah, I'm not sure. But uh, I think the in the Buffalo shooting case, I think they had a legal, like, AR-15-style rifle, but then modified it to be an illegal gun, technically. Wow. Or something like that. But I don't know that gun laws will ever prevent this kind of stuff. And think about it. Usually, the people who commit crimes that 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 run illegal drugs and all kinds of activities, how are they getting the guns? It, illegally. Illegally. It's, yeah. It doesn't matter how many checkpoints you have or how long the process is. You're just preventing the the, the people who should be having guns or ha have the right to carry guns from doing it the right way. You're just giving them more hoops, and those are the people not causing problems. So anyhow, that's uh, unfortunate news. Thoughts and prayers to those families uh, impacted by those unfortunate events. Uh, more unfortunate news still in Ukraine. Um, that battle is not over. That battle is not done. And they're saying that they're going to fight off till the very last minute, the Russians, in any way possible. Yeah, I now, remember, uh, sorry, but uh, no, no, go ahead. I remember when it first broke out. Um, so most people were saying, you know, this is going to be quick. It'll be swift either way. 
And then you had a small minority of people saying, no, like I can see this taking a year at least to sort itself out and maybe even a couple of years. And it's looking like that's how it's going to be because it doesn't seem like there's any progress. You know what I mean? There isn't. So, I mean, I know it's bad for for us, for the stock market, but I think this is going to be drawn out. I think it's going to be a long conflict. I do too. I think it may be in the head of of Russians. It would be quick and swift and... We can destroy them, which well, they could. I if mean, you, anybody could. If you remember, they didn't even call it like a war or a battle at first. They, the Russians called it a special like military operation or something that's like right. that. And that's what they were telling their citizens. And I remember reports coming out and the citizens of Russia didn't even think there was like a war. They didn't think there was battles. They just knew that troops were being mobilized, but they didn't know that they were actually attacking not only Ukraine, but the civilians of Ukraine as well. On that point, I think I read somewhere that even some of the military didn't really know that mm-hmm. yeah, they were engaging in war. It was just, a, like you said, a special mm-hmm. tactic operation. Ops, or, yeah, something. I, I also read that a lot of the troops, um, you know, like the lowest ranking troops that were actually being sent, weren't told that there was going to be any resistance. And then they were faced with fighting. So I don't know what the heck Russia's doing, but it's obviously bad. It is bad. And the longer it gets drawn out, the more people will be hurt, not only in Ukraine, but uh, Russian citizens. And we talked about some of the sanctions. You think of McDonald's, you think of like PayPal, you think of what Tesla's done, you think of what other countries have done, um, you think of in, in investment relations, you think of investment managers. They've reduced their exposure, their positions to Russian based companies to almost zero. Think of the impact if you own a business, if you're a larger corporation operating in Russia. McDonald's backed out. All mm-hmm. these companies are pulling out of Russia as additional sanctions. And that hurts, you know, again, not the country, not necessarily just the country as a whole, but also its citizens, the people that are kind of innocent. They're just there, you know, and they're living and doing what they can. And I read an article in the journal that talked about Russian citizens feeling the impact of inflation more than anyone else. When they go to buy groceries and things like that. Is the, that because their currency is just tanking? Their currency has gone to crap. It really has. Now, on the flip side of things, how about um, the U.S. dollar? We want to talk about strength. Uh, Dave and his family had talked about going to uh, taking a trip to Macedonia. So think about the U.S. dollar and what purchasing power it has now in Europe, where you have the euro and the U.S. dollar trading at a a very small margin. I mean, it's it, it used to be euro was trading at a let's say a dollar thirty, so it cost one dollar and thirty cents of American dollars just to buy one euro, and now that's like a dollar to a dollar five something like that. So mm. it's gone down dramatically. Purchasing power for taking a trip overseas. Um, I know not a lot of people are just yet, but your dollar will go a lot further from that aspect of it. Yeah, I remember um, at one point the euro was. Like, way higher than the dollar. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, for sure. And I think the Canadian dollar as well. Oh, yeah. That flips all the time. So we have some... So we're located in upstate New York, which is pretty close to Canada. But we have some clients that will invest in properties in Canada. And they wait for the currency flip. And they'll sell the property, make a big profit, Mm -hmm. and maybe take the proceeds here to the U.S. and vice versa. So kind of an interesting component to investing if you will. And then um, what about the impact? 
as we start to step away from these lockdowns and COVID and using less and less computers and social media and having the need to do that working from home, just yesterday, we had Snapchat report earnings and they were down 40%. Mm-hmm. Along with that came down Twitter and Facebook and Google and Apple and just about any other online marketer. So we talked about consumer discretionary, buying that coach purse and Louis Vuitton and all these things. One of the other areas that people will cut back on, when I say people, I mean companies, is advertising, marketing. It's discretionary money. It's not a necessity to have to grow and market yourself, your brand. So all those companies we just named going down. We talked about Snapchat. Now I, I'm not a. I have Snapchat, and it's mainly for my four-year-old to take funny pictures of him and myself. Um, aside from doing that, I've never seen a single ad on Snapchat. I don't use Snapchat, um, but I do have the app and take funny pictures. That's all I've done. But you said there's another part of it that yeah. I'm not aware of. So, yeah. so tell me, enlighten me. So essentially, what it is, um, there's a section on Snapchat where uh, you basically can connect to other people more. So if you have more friends on Snapchat, they can, you know, put what they call a story up. Mm. And what that is, is say you're on vacation and you take a nice picture of the beach or something like that. You can put it on what they call your story and all your friends can see it. Now, once you have more and more friends, more and more people put stories and they're all lined up together. So you can swipe between stories and in between some stories, sometimes you'll get an ad. That's where that is. Is it pictures only? Pictures, Pictures, videos, videos. yeah. Okay, so is that, again, I'm not the best person to talk about social media. I know Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. We have Mm -hmm. YouTube. And there's a number of different channels that we can use for a compliance reason for business. Right. I have social media outlets mainly for business. Once in a while, I'll post something personal, but anything personal now is considered business. So um, I use those platforms. But... To me, it sounds like Snapchat is another extension of social media. So it's like another, like, would it be comparable to like an Instagram where you post pictures, videos? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. See, I didn't even know that was part of Snapchat. I just Mm -hmm. know that when I open Snapchat, there's a bunch of filters and you can take pictures and save them. Yeah. And And we have a laugh and then I'm mm -hmm. off the platform and I haven't seen a single ad. Right. So another um, place where you'll see a lot of ads is... There's like public profiles and people. You, do you know what like a social media influencer is these days? Basically somebody who has a lot of people following what mm-hmm. they do. Yep. And they get paid yep. a crap ton of money to basically do nothing, do nothing. and live in pretend land. Yeah. It, I'm personally not a fan of it, but that's all over Snapchat as well. Um, and there's ads all over the place there. So I was a little bit surprised to hear how poorly Snapchat has been doing. Because I know everybody my age and younger and even a little bit older uses it. And it's, it's you know, it's probably arguably the most popular platform these days for at least my age group. I had no idea. Honestly, I, like Snapchat, I didn't even know anybody still used it. I thought it was, a like I said, cool thing to take some funny pictures and then people got off it. I still have it for my four-year-old and that's it. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole other part of it. <laughs> wow. No kidding. It's really, um, like I said, if you have a bunch of friends on there, you take a picture and you send it to your friends. You know what I'm saying? It's like an easy way to do that. I could see, I guess the way I'm doing it is taking pictures 
And if it was me and my son and wanted to send a funny picture to my wife, mm. I would save the picture and just text it to her. Yeah. So that's probably what they don't want. So, so <laughs> you're just doing it like the long way. I guess. You know, if your if your wife also had, you know, a Snapchat account as they call it. I think she does for him. Yeah, you could just take a picture of you and your son, and in like one little click, send it right to your wife on Snapchat itself, rather than having to download the picture and then text it to her. You know, I wonder what's going to happen. Like one day, are some of these going to evaporate? Like these social I've, media platforms? I've thought that too. I or hope maybe so. maybe merge or something. I mean, because Facebook bought Instagram, mm-hmm. right, a few years ago. Yeah. But they still operate independently, although I think you can click on Facebook to get to Instagram. Yeah, you I can don't like have Instagram, link so your accounts know. and all that type of stuff. I generally don't really like social media that much, so I try to use it as little as possible. But obviously it's dominating the world right now. Well, I feel like if you don't have an account, you could miss out on something. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had people reach out to us for business, and that's, again, primarily how I use it. It's an easy way for people to look you up. If I type in Sam Gwelly right now on a Google search, or I'm sure if I used another search. You'd get Apple, my dad. I'm, I might get your dad. <laughs> and then right after that, maybe I'd get find Sam. But more than likely, if I punch in your name, I think, do you know what you what would pop up for you? Uh, yeah, so I, I've Googled my name before, and, and I'm named after my father. So he comes up, his business profiles come up. Under LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn, his company website, stuff like that. Um, LinkedIn is usually the top one. They spent so much money. Do they really? Yes. Let me let me punch it in. I'm just curious right now to see what comes up. <laughs> yeah, you might get some old pictures of me playing baseball in high school, stuff like that. Sam Gwelly. Your dad yep. <laughs> on LinkedIn. Yep. Number one hit. He called it. And the next thing is his business profile. Actually, three down from that is Sam Gwelly Monarch Wealth Management. And wow, it's got a picture of you. That's funny. How about that? Yeah, I like it. Good stuff. But uh, And then we've got Elon Musk. Is this deal with Twitter going to go through? I heard that it now he's trying to buy it for less money than originally um, you know, decided on or whatever. I'm not sure what the share price the offer was. I, I want to say it was around 50 bucks a share. I think it's trading at 30 now. It was pretty close to that 50 range at yeah, some point. I can't remember exactly what the share price was, but I think the original deal was $46 billion. And the the problem is, is that a lot of these accounts on Twitter are actually bogus. They're fake. Yeah, they're all they're fake. bots. There's so many fake accounts. It's crazy. And that's part of the problem. I think just social media in general. Mm-hmm. There is no way to identify people. I think you should have to go on. Like when I, I think I told you this story before. I'm one of the probably last adopters of social media. So when I decided to open my profile, open my, I sound like a 75-year-old man that doesn't know what he's talking about. But when I opened a profile on Facebook, this was about three years ago. It's pretty old for for a guy like me that's tech savvy. But um, when I did that, I had to take a picture of my license I had to submit it. I had to go through a review process, which took two weeks. Two weeks. Wait, this was for what? For Facebook. Really? Just to have a profile. I don't think I had to do that. No one that I know had to do that. No one. But they were also on the platform for like the last yeah, decade. That's weird. You know what? Um, when legal betting became, you know, a thing in New York. Yeah. Um, what we had like DraftKings and Caesars and stuff like that, FanDuel. 
all my friends are getting on my my dad my cousins a bunch of stuff like that i was like oh let's go lose some money betting on sports but i tried to you know create an account for caesars like all my friends did i know my dad caesars. Did. i have caesars and they required me to take a picture of my license and yes. put my um you know social in but they didn't ask any of my friends to do that they just were able to make an account you know no problem how did they and do that and i had to you know verify myself so, so i didn't did do I. it i didn't do it I was like, this is stupid. So did I. I, I had to do that. Um, I know of a friend of ours that was hacked on Instagram, and mm, she got a message from a Instagram, and she had to submit a picture of her holding up her license and then a scan of her license. That's and crazy. They asked me. They said, oh, yeah, you're, you're a tech guy. I said, look, I don't know anything about this, but I will tell you what happened to me on Facebook. So um, I always get a little bit leery about that, like, when you have to take a picture of your license, have you used Turo? Probably not, because no. Turo is not in New York yet. But that's soon to come. Turo is like an Airbnb for car rentals. Oh, I've heard about that. So I could I could rent Sam's car for a couple days when I'm down in Florida. If you've got an extra car you want to rent out, mm. you have to take a picture of you holding your license and send it to the person that you're renting the car from. I mean, which kind of weirded me out at first. I just didn't know. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Is this legit? Well, I went back and Turo says, yes, you, you do have to do that. But you think of privacy and things like that. That's, uh, you know, that's something we don't want to just take for granted. I heard somebody, I can't remember where, but they rented out their Tesla. I think it was a Model 3 on that, that Turo thing or whatever. And the people who rented it out brought it to like a body shop and started putting Stealing like parts. aftermarket parts on it. Yes. And they got caught and their reasoning was, oh, we're just testing to see if it'll work. But I'm like, I think they're definitely trying to steal parts but like how dumb do you have to be to do that i i did read the article on that too and it's kind of scary like think about it if you're trying to run a legit business and people are trying to steal from you <laughs> mm -hmm. i hope they get prosecuted i hope they go to jail i hope you know i mean that's theft yeah definitely well we covered a lot of ground today i think that's all the time we have for today's show thanks again for listening to today's episode of Pennywise Financial Podcast here at Monarch Wealth Management, Constantine Kitronos with my co-host Sam Gwelly. Thanks for listening to the show, everyone. See you later. You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments, and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything, from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial signing off. Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC.